0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussions, news, and interviews, presenting the film scene with Ileana Douglas. Ileana is an actress, writer, author, and film historian with a need to discuss movies that borders on obsession. You'll learn the history of movies one great story at a time. The film scene is the deep cuts of movie podcasts, featuring movies we love by the people who made them. And now, Ileana Douglas.
1: Why, hello, everyone. Welcome to the film scene. I am Ileana Douglas. To my left is Ryan nilsson
0: Hello, hello! It's an honor to be here, not Thank in the booth, but yes. at the table this time yep. around,
1: so we can uh, put a face now to the. You're you're the you're the man with the great hands. You always have the clip. Ready to go and we right. reference
0: the images in the booth and that and that voice for the intro.
1: And you're all that's right. That's that's also you too. You're also a fantastic uh, film fan, film fanatic.
0: That's right, filmmaker. I studied film in college and made a bunch of shorts. And I'm just honored to be at the table with the great Ileana Douglas. It's going to be
1: great. And with our guest Tia Carrera, uh, I'm very excited about. It. Of course, seen her in uh, so many movies. We're going to be doing her intro in a minute, and she's on a new show on Netflix. God bless Netflix for doing all these really interesting uh, shows. And I just want to say hello uh, to our dear friend uh, Jeff Graham. The reason he's not here is his uh, wife's um, grandmother grandmother passed away, so he is back in Ohio. So just want to send uh, thoughts and prayers to him. We love Jeff. We're thinking about him. Just a wonderful guy, and we're all a family here. So, uh, But thank you again for... um, filling in we're gonna have a great show so here we go what's going on in the movie biz this week lots of stuff gene hackman's birthday happy
0: birthday gene i was thinking about like what is my favorite gene hackman movie because there's so many to pick from
1: it's almost impossible decades yeah that's what i was thinking what's so interesting about him is to have a career sometimes you think well people did they did well in the sixties and then maybe they had like the, a comeback. I mean every right. decade.
0: Every decade. I mean, all the way from like the French connection yeah. through unforgiven, where he's still getting nominated for yeah. things. Uh one of my personal favorites is The Conversation. Oh. I think he is a revelation rele- in the
1: movie. Incredible film. I uh I posted on Twitter a couple of my favorites, some um, obviously aside from his huge, you know, the French connection and all those movies. Uh I picked Scarecrow with Al Pacino, Gypsy Moths. Gypsy Moths. With uh, Burt Lancaster. It's this movie about skydiving. Very kind of interesting film. Uh, the, tie, uh, the director of, of Gypsy Moths is John Frankenheimer. John mm. Frankenheimer directed French Connection 2. Oh. So they have that little. That in- connection right there. Interesting connection. <laughs> uh, Prime Cut is another sort of a rare film rare that he Hackman. did, 70s film. And Night Moves, another. Yes. Interesting.
0: See, now, I know Night Moves. Uh, yeah. I, I have a few in there that I haven't seen uh, the other two, but Night Moves is one See, of my favorites. See, if you
1: were in the booth, you you would have already had the.
0: Picking all the photos and everything. All the
1: photos up there. Um, and then as far as comedies, I have to say, Burt Cage, when he's in drag,
0: all time fave. Oh, that's my favorite, Robin Williams. I adore that film. Yeah, he is—he is terrific. He <laughs> plays that that comedic character, which we don't see him often. No. He is amazing. Just the very like, the conservative father, yeah, who's uh, running for re-election, and man, that ending! What a payoff! Yeah, that is oh incredible.
1: Uh, so that God bless him. Um, <laughs> so thank God for Gene Hackman movies. Uh, I um. This past week, I hosted uh, the, they have the part of the Academy Awards luncheon, you mm. know, for the nominees luncheon. Right. And I was asked to be a part of it uh, to announce where they do the roll call, where they name all the people. It's a few hundred people in every single category. really. And they come out, and there's a gigantic riser, and they take the class photo. Then, right. A, the ninety second, uh, you know, class of twenty nineteen, and uh, it was, I have to say, it's just, I, I, you know, that was my opening line was just like, look, you know, look around this room. Why, why would you want to be anywhere else but here? It's just Robert De Niro and oh Al Pacino, gosh. DiCaprio, especially
0: with like this year we've had twenty nineteen yes. was one of the best years in film in recent memory.
1: The variety of films what, and the directors.
0: So, what was the energy of that room? Was oh. it just like everyone? It's a joyous occasion.
1: Yes, I think it was. You know, it ends up being this thing that becomes very, very moving. You know, when you see all these filmmakers talking to other filmmakers. Right. I would have to say a highlight for me. I first of all, I practiced. I really, I just, I really wanted to get people's names right. What was I'm, the I'm, tough one? I'm up there for 37 minutes. Wow. I think. Uh, well, there was a few Hildur Guthna Dottir... I think is the, is uh, for Joker. Yeah. Is, uh, the, the music, music. for, uh, Anton, I can't remember, Gigora. It's Sometimes now I don't remember what right. the film is. But there were many, many hard, hard names. But the highlight for me was, uh, I walked up to, to, uh, um, Pong Joon-ho. Pong Joon-ho. And, uh said his name to him. You know, that's all I... Because suddenly I was like, I know you had a great movie, but I just want to make sure I get your name right. And I walked up to him and I just said, it's such an honor to meet you. I just want to make absolutely sure I'm saying your name right. He had this translator. And I said, you know, Bong Joon-ho. and he And he said... Uh Cape Fear. Oh
0: my gosh, he did?
1: Very scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is amazing. I love him so like, much.
1: That's is hilarious,
0: favorite too. I mean, even oh. with the Golden Globes, getting over that one-inch barrier of subtitles. What a funny line for yes. the translator to say. I, I cannot wait. I really hope... Parasite gets recognized in a few categories, at least at the Oscars. I'm personally pulling for it for Best Picture, but yeah. I, we just rewatched it this past weekend, and it's it is a modern day Hitchcock. Like it is just yeah, amazing. it's
1: an it's an incredible film. There's a number of films this year that um, you know that I just think are amazing, and like I said, the variety of films yeah. uh, are are were just astonishing. So it was really fun, just. To see some people, uh, Kathy Bates, who directed uh, Me and Six Feet Under, and you just run into people and you get a chance to just say how much their performance meant to you. Uh, So that's – a lot of times – uh, you know, it was funny. They had some bid about Brad Pitt wearing his name tag. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. But everybody's wearing their name I tag. I saw that. And thank God they are because you can say, oh, my God, you're the cinematographer of The Lighthouse. We could talk about <laughs> So uh, I got to – Wow. There's so many movies I got to see, documentaries, short films. You know, somebody came Have up – Have you seen you- them all? Yes. I, I watch them
0: every year. I, I haven't seen this years yet.
1: I watched everything. So I saw this woman coming, and I said, I know you guys, walk, run, cha-cha. <laughs> so it, it was it was very, very emotional, I have to say. It was just an incredible... Um, uh, an honor
0: and for they, me. They also announced who's going to be presenting a lot of the awards for at the Oscars this year. It's coming up. I mean, we're a week I and a half away. It's I it's know. the awards Super Bowl season, and I just cannot wait for the Oscars.
1: Yes, this year. I, yeah, it's a big buildup. But re- regardless of of who wins, I, that's why this, you know, this class picture is so important because it's just a moment to recognize the incredible honor. Know that they're all winners, and it's not easy to make movies, and yeah. and you're there. And I think it it sort of dawns on people that day of just that recognition from everybody, without the glare of the Oscars. Just right. like that, you know, the fact that we're all there, and 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 then also to celebrate, you know, people who we just love, like Robert De Niro. He just it was oh. really nice. The applause that he received and it's just a sweet, sweet day and it wow. just was yeah, it really was an incredible honor. I'm so thrilled to be part of talking about movies and you know brings us to the show and why we do the show. That's and, right. uh, and uh and so we should probably let's bring let's in get uh, let's get Tia in. All right, I'm cool, gonna, you're gonna you're gonna do double duties now. Double duties now. There and there he goes. Wish him luck. Tia Carrera is uh, an incredible singer, two-time Grammy Award-winning singer. She's a former model. We're going to hear about how she got her big break. And, of course, you must know her from films such as True Lies, Wayne's World, Lilo and Stitch. And she's currently starring in a Netflix show, which is called AJ and the Queen, with RuPaul. Please welcome our guest... Tia Carrera. Hi, Tia. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Nice to meet you. It's our,
1: it's our pleasure. <laughs> the um, So we always start the show off. I don't know how much of a movie buff you are, but I always like to ask people if you remember the first movie you saw and who took you to see it.
2: Uh, well, the one that comes immediately to mind was standing in line for about an hour to get into star wars Uh so i was one of those people that was it's the the theater's not even there anymore but it was in hawaii and i think it was just me and i don't know if it was my sister and some friends just stood in line that went around the corner around the block and we were one of those you know seeing it
1: for the first, So there must have been some people that were in, because uh, my recollection of the movie, too, is, you know, seeing it multiple times, too. So there must have been some people that were there, not only for the first time, but the second and third
2: time. Oh, nobody in my neighborhood saw things more than once. They were lucky <laughs> if they got to see one movie, I don't know, a month or every six months, maybe. Well, that's what movies were playing for months and
1: months, too. So it was, yeah. you, had, you had that opportunity.
2: Yeah, that was a magical one to see, though. That was just like...
1: Did you when when you came out of Star Wars? Did you did you have a favorite character in Star Wars? Like, did you like Mark Hamill or Harrison
2: Ford was more to my taste? (laughs) That's so funny, yeah, because you would either (laughs) as a kid, like for you know. For me to, you know, Han Solo was just oh so suave, and, and then I got to meet him at the Ford and Ferrari premiere just recently. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you.
1: Oh, I love. Those are my favorite kind of meetings. When again, when you see someone from your childhood, you just turn back to being a you know a kid again. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so you were saying you grew up in uh, in Honolulu, and in in all the my massive research about you, it does. <laughs> A lot of years
2: to research.
1: It says time and again that you were discovered in a grocery store. Is that really true? It's true.
2: It's not a made-up PR story. (laughs) I was actually shopping in a grocery store in Waikiki Mm -hmm. called the uh, Food Pantry. And, um, okay, so I just came from a modeling shoot. So I had a garland of flowers on my head, full, you know, pancake makeup, and a t-shirt and a bikini, you know? So (laughs) it was like, oh, yeah, you blend at the grocery (laughs) store. But a producer's mother and father came up to me and said, darling, you're gorgeous. You should be the lead in my son's movie. They're looking for the female lead. And I'm like, I never did any, you know, acting before. Uh I had sung, and that's, you know, so I was used to being in front of people and performing, but no acting experience whatsoever, you know? Um, But... I, they gave me the casting director's name and number. Her name was Caro Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and she cast uh, the Karate Kid movies. So it was, you know, it wasn't some sort of back alley sort of right. <laughs> you know, creep. But um, yeah, I just went in and read and make, made pretend and got this movie. And the movie was Aloha Summer. Aloha Summer. Life was fine in 59. <laughs> it was like a bunch of guys that came to Hawaii in 1959 and all their individual stories and uh-huh. mine was a shy local Hawaiian girl falling in love with a Caucasian Casanova.
1: Always a wi- always a winning storyline. Yeah, the, the, the
2: Romeo and Juliet trope, you know.
1: Yes. But that, so you're suddenly thrust in front of the camera. I mean, did you were you nervous at all? Did you have any Fear? Or did you just say? Oh, I, I don't know. I was you know I was
2: seventeen. I had no idea what I was doing. So just like okay, well let's go I'll go make pretend. <laughs> and you know I'll just cry because oh my I'm sad. My my I'm okay. Spoiler alert: the brother dies. The boyfriend kills him, and I oh you have to cry at the funeral scene. I was like okay. And then I started crying. Just went simple, <laughs> make pretend. It was like yeah. you, you know, no no technique whatsoever. But when I came to LA I started studying. Ten to twelve, one to four and seven to ten every day. Studying acting, yeah.
1: Any particular sort of recognizable? Like, I went to acting school. I studied with Sanford Meisner, and that I was, know
2: somebody that was in the Meisner technique. I probably should have done that, but um, I went to uh, a guy named Vincent Chase. Uh huh. Um, and it's funny because they used, I guess, somebody that wrote or produced a show must have taken classes from him because he was a big acting coach around 1984, 85, 86. Um, and he had a studio there on Sunset by La Brea or something like that. Mm. But the main character on The Entourage was named Vincent Chase. So I wonder who on that show studied with Vincent Chase. Oh, it must have been a yeah, it must have been a tie-in. Uh, but the 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 coach under him was Mark Spiegel. He was my coach for years. And, yeah. Did uh, I mean, and did you like acting? I mean, the did
1: you or because I know you know you really wanted to be a singer originally. I mean, did you have to make A decision of, well, now I'm going to put my singing on hold and become an actor?
2: Um, No, I mean, I got a movie. Are you kidding me? I'm like, okay, (laughs) I guess uh, my life is taking me this direction. And, you know, just you just go. Um, You know, like I was so young, I just went where the adventure took me and it just seemed like it naturally veered in that direction. And um, after six months, I was on General Hospital Mm -hmm. soap opera and um, you know, I, I still kept demoing songs and I would perform little cabaret shows here and there and right. but it's almost been, you know, my passion on the side, but my job has been acting. They it's so
1: interesting because I feel like there's barely any I'm, I you know, I grew up watching soap operas, on, you know, come home from school and we'd watch all the soap operas, be so into them. I don't know if the current sort of kids do that as much, but it I was so much a I part well, of our I think our...
2: college kids do. I think watch they're still the- college kids or, like, their moms at home or grandmas at home, you know?
0: I definitely think that the the parent and child dynamic for soap operas is still alive and well. Like, I, I always watch soap operas with my mom. If I had, had a did? sick day at school or high school or anything like that, that that's, I think that's still a thing. And the, the soaps are still have a major audience. I mean, it's it's a thriving, passionate audience. Yeah. And I really like that.
1: Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I stopped watching General Hospital. Once Elizabeth Taylor wasn't on anymore.
2: Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe she was on General Hospital? Yeah. No, was it with All My Children?
1: Or was it All My Children? I, I was.
2: No, I you're shouldn't right. mix them up, but I might be... Fact check, fact check. What? Yeah, I fact know, check. That's fact That's check. Where we, Ryan's usually in the booth fact checking <laughs> me, if I'm
1: right. The, uh, were you a fan at all of movie musicals?
2: Uh, Grease. Grease yeah. was the one that I watched over and over again, and I I actually conned my grandma, who raised me during my teenage years, uh, to get me my first pair of spandex pants <laughs> <laughs> so I could perform on stage with spandex pants like Sandy and Grease.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. When you were in LA, and you said so, this would have been like the mid eighties. Is this the? Is this this is like when the Olympics? Are?
2: Yeah, I moved here in October wow. of eighty four when the Olympics uh, were going on.
1: And what was LA like then? It just seems was it? Uh, were you running into other actresses? I mean, what was the vibe like?
2: I mean, I was so Did you, were wide-eyed. You living, were you living I mean, at the Oakwood? or I was from <laughs> a little tiny pebble in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and I came to Los Angeles, this bustling metropolis already, and then yeah. you've got the people that are here from the Olympics. On top of that, I'm like, um, I remember I had to negotiate my way around town because I was modeling, and we didn't have GPS back then, but we had map books right okay, okay. three twenty four a
1: oh, I remember seven yes.
2: <laughs> so that's how I learned Los Angeles with the um the Thomas brothers map books,
1: yes, I remember those We'd, you'd have to have them in the back of your car and pull oh over my gosh, and
2: driving and looking <laughs> at a map book, and then you have to change to another page and then turn back because it goes this oh. way, that way. Oh, it was hilarious,
1: so when you were originally now, I read in one of the when you were doing the got cast as the as Wayne's world. You had also had a
2: bay an audition for Baywatch. Yeah, so it was one of those things where you reach a fork in the road and you are like, right. okay, which way when- do I go? And I had gone in for Baywatch first to right. play um, the marine biologist girlfriend to the Hoff, and um, and then I heard about Wayne's World. And when I heard about the like seventeen to twenty three. Um, Asian female, you know, hot, rockin', kicks butt, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, it will be mine. <laughs> you know, it was one of those moments where like, okay, okay, how can we drag our feet on the other thing? Um, you know, so that we can play this one out. And I hadn't even gone in for Wayne's World, but um It took them a while to to decide on the Baywatch thing, thank God, and they wanted to do like a swimming test, so we put that off another week. It was sort of like, I could have lost both jobs, but um, yeah, my agent at the time was probably thinking, what the hell is wrong with this girl? But I just, that part in Wayne's just really resonated with me, you know? I said, there's nobody that can sing it and act it and... You know, do martial arts. I mean, there's nobody. I'm gonna do this part.
1: That's so amazing. Yeah, you willed it to happen.
2: Oh, I just, I wanted it so bad. Well, that, it so, sort I'm, of like this AJ and the Queen. It's just one of those things where the right part meets the right person at the right time. You know, right?
1: That's true. It had uh, essence. I, I was uh, there was something I was looking at of myself and realizing I, how many scenes I'd shot in bars. <laughs> Is there any kind of recur- <laughs> do you do you one day look at yourself like man, I've done that. It seems to be a weird (laughs) recurring. Do you have anything like that? Well,
2: for me, it's like (laughs) how many different ethnic backgrounds can I play? Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean, you know. I still have to play Filipino. I went in for Modern Family doing a Filipino accent, but I didn't get that.
1: Oh. But but I understand now why. Um, so going back to um, to Wayne's World, he shot all here in Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, thirty three days of principal photography. In and around Los Angeles at Paramount Studios. Um, and then they had a second unit that went to Chicago. So none of us went to Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when you were on
1: the set, the director of that was uh, Penelope Spheris.
2: Penelope Spheris, who I just saw recently up in Idlewild. For the, uh, there was a women's uh, film festival up there. So they did a retrospective and they showed the movie. And it was pretty awesome. So going back to that, I've done so many shows on TCM with female
1: directors, and my recollection of that time was also, was that it didn't seem odd to have a female director at all. It was only as in the two thousands when we started, I, I felt that it was all male directors. But did, was it at all a surprise to have a female director?
2: Um. What, I mean, she was such a perfect fit because of her yeah. decline of uh, uh, the Western Civilization uh, right. series of movies, and she's a rocker chick and just really steeped in that culture, so it was a perfect fit for her to, to go into Wayne's World, which yeah. is, uh, you know, in that wheelhouse, but... Um, uh, I don't. I think it's just that we noticed after that time there were very very few female directors. Right. Except we finally spoke up in the two thousands. Like, hey, this is crazy with as right. many women that are out there. You know, buying movies, seeing movies. Why aren't there more of us helming them?
1: Yes. So we so- got more vocal. That's all. So when you're doing a film like that and everybody is funny on the set, does that make you rise to the occasion and want to be more funny? Or what? what's the feeling like when you're on a set like that?
2: Well, I always saw myself as a straight guy to the funny guys <laughs> until AJ and the Queen, because I was I'm the foil to, you know, Mike Myers just. You know, doing his Wayne thing, right. but I had to play it completely straight, and that's right. what makes the whole thing funny. Yeah, is just, but that's still yeah. <laughs> an active part of it. You know. Oh, I don't know. I just I I never thought of myself as funny. Oh, really? Yeah, I never thought of myself as funny. Oh, I, really? yeah, oh, that, as
1: funny. oh that's interesting because of course you're re- because you can't. Uh, uh, John Cleese for Money Python said the key to their comedy is one person doing something funny and the other person playing it very straight. Play, playing it straight, yeah. Real, other, you know, because otherwise, then it's not funny. It's
2: bouncing off the walls and it's it, it, you too absurd. The,
1: yeah, you need the reactor or you need the deadpan. Right. So in that instance, you're us in a way going, "What do you do?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you must have had fun on the set. was there any kind of like breaking up or you know it
2: was such a whirlwind like- I mean for a studio picture of that magnitude to be right. shot in a month, yeah, and you know it was the lowest budgeted film that year at Paramount. I think it was like a twelve million dollar budget um that went on to make like I don't know two hundred and fifty million dollars but um it it was really just. Just go, man. We, okay, go. Get ready. Right. Get on set. You have one or two takes. You know. So it was it was run and gun. Um, so it was just kind of magic that it all came together uh, as well as it did because I think the longest process was the revisions on the script
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because we had fuchsia, double fuchsia, chartreuse, double wow. chartreuse. You know. So there were there was a lot of thinking and planning ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we got on set, it was. Just go. So, no ad libs or anything like that? Um, Not that I recalled. It was all very mapped out, Mm -hmm. you know. And when you went into the. Were you surprised
1: that they were going to do a sequel or did you just know it was such a huge hit that there was.
2: Yeah, it was sort of, you know. a fait accompli. We knew yeah. with as much money as they made and how little they spent on the movie, <laughs> I guess they're going to go and see if they can get some more of that. But um, yeah, the, the second one was bigger, better, faster, more. And it got away from the original core, the right. good hearted, simple, small town, you know, dynamic that they rose up and they did something together, you know? Right.
1: Well, the second one had the crazy cast, though. It, it was just, huge. It hmm. was like
2: Kim Basinger and Kevin Pollack and Drew Barrymore. and like, Charlton Heston. Char- <laughs> Charlton Heston. That's right. That's right. Holy cow. I mean, how, yeah. I, I was going to say, did you have any interaction with him? What was he... i never met him on set. So funny. Yeah, everything was so... Because everybody had their own little capsule. Right. In that we never... You know, whereas on the first one, everybody's around all the time, right. but the second one was you know all the different star turns that came in had their own yes. separate time and space, and never the twain shall meet you know? the
1: uh The second director was Stephen Sergit, who mm-hmm. I actually worked with on a film uh called Weapons of Mass Distraction, which was an h b o film Ooh. but any disappointment and he's a wonderful guy I yeah, love he's I love, a sweetheart. He's a, D- darling Canadian man. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there any, were you, had you developed a rapport with Penelope and then now had to develop a new rapport? With another director?
2: Or just You just did your job? Yeah, I just did my job. I mean, I, I didn't know if, like, maybe Penelope didn't want to do the second one or whatever, right. you know, because we weren't privy to the behind-the-scenes on that, and I was just glad to be invited to the party. So I'm like, okay. Too bad Penelope's not here, but okay. Yeah. But he's really nice, and, you know.
1: <laughs> yes, he's a, he's a very sweet person. Um, so then uh, the next movie you did was what you worked with, James Cameron,
2: was that the next one? Yeah, that, I think, yeah, that was Yeah, True Lies with yeah. Arnold and Jimmy Lee. Another huge Lee. film. Huge. I mean, huge. I've knocked on wood. That's it. After that, I don't need to do anything else. But, <laughs> but then I kept going because I'm stubborn, and it's the only thing I'm qualified to do. But, uh, yeah. I know it's
1: two movies alone. You could do conventions for the rest right. of
2: your... Trust like, and honestly. believe. Yeah. So, I mean, a huge film. It's, uh, it was so much fun because they had so much money, and it was like a year of shooting. Wow. So we, we went from twelve million dollars, thirty three days, and then we had a year and a hundred, blah, blah blah blah, you know, million dollars, and it was such a spectacle. And I remember going down to Key West. Key Biscayne, which one it was, one of mm-hmm. those keys down in Florida, and uh, it was a big explosion thing where Arnold, dr- uh, you know, jumps into the water, the flames go above him, explosions all around, um, and I had to sit in my trailer five days in a row because the explosions didn't go off just right. Wow! Because wow. it was so choreographed, and you know, the rubber cement was supposed to, you know, catch on fire and lead to this, you know thing of, you know, whatever gasoline, whatever they do, it's supposed to blow up and it didn't go. And yeah, it was a huge, huge spectacle. It was amazing. And uh, did you have any interaction
1: with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who really pops in the the film? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. She was awesome. Um, I first worked with her on Anything But Love. Wow. Yeah, with um Richard Lewis. Yes, I remember that show. Yeah, on T V That was and a good show. It was a really good show. Um and I played his his like I forget, it was like his Thai adoptive daughter, like he donated like $9 a month to his adopted daughter in Thailand. And I come and visit and he has all these re- weird feelings for me. And he tortures himself because he has these feelings for his... Anyway, it's- <laughs> 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 it was just very awkward. But I worked with Jamie Lee on that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was kind of scared of her because she's such a powerful personality. and And I just... Felt very sheepish, so it was nice the second time where I was more mature and yes. able to meet her where she is, and just she's just a great ballsy broad, and I like that about her.
1: I think that's always a challenge. Of uh, actually, we had a character actor uh, last week on the show, John Carroll Lynch, and we were talking about when you were playing a supporting role. You know, you you have to come in, and you're working with a, you know you don't big have stars, as, yeah, yeah, you don't have as much time. They don't, you know, so you really have to have a lot of confidence. Just yeah. To,
2: be just ready and do up. your
1: job and not ask a lot of questions.
2: <laughs> come come prepared and know your lines. Be fluid in case stuff changes, you know.
1: Are you a question asker? I have a feeling you're, or do you just sort of act like,
2: this is I, cool, I got this. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I read the script. I know my part. Uh, I know how I feel about what other people are doing to me, so I can react to them properly, um, and and just. I, I, but I don't stay stuck to an image of how I'm going to play it, obviously, because mm-hmm. then I go to set, and then the director has a different take on it. So yeah. it's it's a fine line between knowing all your stuff by rote, but then also being open to direction, so that they can you know steer you how they want to see you.
1: Um, Were you surprised? Because, again, in, in the show that you're doing now, it seems like it's more of a comedic turn. Were you surprised that after Wayne's World, you did so many action films? Uh
2: yeah, well, I mean, like I said, well, I you never thought incredible. of myself. As... I
1: mean, <laughs> no, you did.
2: I mean, you still look incredible. But... Oh, thanks. I was, I was at the right place at the right time, and I was the right flavor. That you was know? the
1: era of you know those action. That was the height of the, all the action movies. It seems
2: it was perfect because going from Wayne's World and the wacky comedy right. to like the sexy vixen, dangerous Bond-esque villainess, you right. know, it was. It showed a lot of you know oh you can cast her in this and you can cast her in that and then in Rising Sun with Sean Connery playing a computer whiz with yes. my hair slicked back and all that stuff so I've I've gotten to run the gamut in that but I think I like I said I never thought of myself as being funny uh-huh. until AJ and the Queen because when I read it I'm like oh my gosh I finally get to be funny <sighs> and disgusting and vulgar <laughs> and, like you know, like, I don't care. And it's sort of where I am right now. I'm much yes. more daring and oh, that's awesome. less self-conscious. Because I did. I looked a certain way back then, and that was my currency. And I was always like, oh, my stomach's sticking out and I want to, you know... I felt like sometimes when I saw my performances, I'm like, "Why are you posing, Tia? Stop it!" You know. Right. But it was this um, hyper awareness of how you look and knowing that that's how it—that's what got you there in the first place.
1: Well, I also think I'm not sure, but that, that James Cameron doesn't seem like a guy that would give you a lot of sensitive motivation for things. He's busy working on the big picture. So well,
2: it's it's kind of funny because he does have that side of him, which is like i want the lights this way and i want the explosion to go like that right. and he's very um very on top of his camera crew and his lighting crew and his effects crew but with i i couldn't believe me you know i don't know 10th guy in the po- totem pole for a true lies he goes so tia is there something he played playback for me he said so is there anything you would do differently with this is mm-hmm. there how do you feel about that and i went oh my gosh you know what I'm slouching a little. I think that she would be standing up more and right. and presenting more. I feel like I should present the, uh, you know, the the what a nuclear weapon, right. More like you know, Vanna White. And he goes, Yeah, yeah. Let's try it like that. And I couldn't believe that he was giving me that permission yeah. and inviting me into the conversation of how I would do it. And he even in the studio doing looping for the film. Mm-hmm. He said. So um, we're going to do this and blah, 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 and we need to replace these lines. And I said, can I hear it? And I listened to it. And I'm like, you know, my voice sounds really high mm. and thin. Do you mind if I do the whole thing and pitch my voice down? It's like, yeah. So we, you know, I, mean, I love how, um, although he is a tech guy and with the big spectacle, right. but very specific and very nurturing with the actors at mm-hmm. the same time. And that's why he's such a great director.
1: The uh, uh, director of Rising Sun was Philip Kaufman.
2: Mm -hmm. Philip Kaufman, The Right Stuff.
1: Yeah, which is an incredible film.
2: I'm the luckiest girl ever. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I always feel like, oh, I'm still striving. I'm still on that treadmill going nowhere. But, you know, when I talk about it with you, I'm like, you know what? I can just... Relax on the beach in you know oh Havana my, and just rest you. on my yeah, you laurels. Can, you
1: could be doing conventions for the rest of your. did, did they? Where did they that's film, harder work? Where did they film Rising Sun?
2: Uh, Rising Sun was at Twentieth Century Fox. ah the now defunct defunct Twentieth Century Fox. Wow. I have a tote bag though, so it Aww. proves that there was one once. Yeah, it's crazy,
1: man. This <laughs> I whole... wonder if our residuals will still say 20th Century Fox or if they'll say 20th Century.
2: I wonder. Well, the latest, my latest about. listing, <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. my That's latest listing, I did see 20th Century Fox. I have not Me seen too. the name change. Over That's what I thought of it.
1: <laughs> you check your residuals, too.
2: trust and believe. <laughs>
1: The lottery (laughs) and then the residual portal is my two favorite things. Well, and
2: then uh, retirement. Oh, that's true. That's that's amazing. My girlfriend told me that we got retirement. Aren't aren't you relieved now that you became an actress? Yeah. It's so interesting. Because musicians don't have that. I mean, you know, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, it's so funny because when you start out, people say you need, oh, you need a fallback profession. And I never thought about a pension or anything like that. But now I'm thinking, God, thank God.
2: Actor. Yeah, my, my girlfriend Good. just turned fifty five and she's like, um, Happy birthday, Julie McCullough. <laughs> uh, and she's like I'm gonna get to trigger my pension. I'm like, That's awesome, I'm right behind you.
1: Um when you worked uh, so we were talking about Philip Kaufman in Rising Sun. Uh it, did he give you any interesting direction? I don't know much about Philip Kaufman
2: he's very soft-spoken and Mm -hmm. very gentle and um, that's why he got all those amazing performances in in uh, In the right right stuff yeah Um, but also I mean we had Harvey Keitel we had uh, you know Sean Connery we had all these amazing people Mako Mako yeah from
1: the sand pebbles
2: yeah I don't know if you've ever seen
1: I've never seen yeah that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Oh, it's a sad movie. The yeah. Sand Pebbles. Steve McQueen it used to be on constantly when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I vaguely remember seeing it, but I have to revisit.
1: He's like the main thing in the film, Mako. Mm-hmm. It's just Wonderful the two of them. Actor. It's just yeah. the two of them, isn't it? Yeah, and
2: uh, I gotta watch that again. It oh just make God. me sad, though. Oh.
1: He's, he'll be there forever in the in the <laughs> film. <laughs> we all will in the film business, but. Um, so then, um, so then after, so then you did Rising Sun, and then now you're at the kind of the top of your career. Did you, at what point so did you think, did you have a strategy then of of being at all these big films and saying, cause now I want to do an independent film, now I want to work on my singing
2: career? I wish I had done independent film. Um, I, I was. Uh, with someone who was a producer (laughs) that also steered my career. And I think some of the decisions were not probably uh, best for me. They were best for the company. And so I I ended up doing a bunch of films that weren't really... Um, helpful. I think I should have worked mm-hmm. with other fine filmmakers, uh, people that went to Sundance and did you know great work. Right. Uh, but uh, it was more about building a library for a new company. So it's kind of mm-hmm. you know a, a, a mixed bag of you know whatever we make decisions based yeah. on the information we have at the time.
1: But what's so interesting? We were talking about the show. The reason Netflix is so I think it's like the new independent film and. <laughs> AJ and the Queen would be an independent film. There'd be a small movie that would be in limited release.
2: You know, fringe festivals. Um, It's it's really great uh, that there are so many outlets Mm -hmm. for for properties that wouldn't be seen anywhere if you didn't fit ABC, NBC, CBS, or the big tent pole event films at, at the Cineplex you were out of luck, mm-hmm. you know? So now you have people that are making little movies in their hometowns and, and putting them out there and they've, they're have they getting seen and, and good work rises to the top, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. It's the great democratization of, of uh, film and television.
1: You said something interesting before because I think that this show, from what you were saying, is going to give you an opportunity. You've played all these characters and I think that people have an impression of, of you from the films, but now you're going to get to be you, Tia. Is that scary or exhilarating?
2: It, it's exhilarating, and it has been since I first read the sides. The, yeah. you know the script scene that I had to audition with. Mm-hmm. I was reading it with my sister. I was, you know, and and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Tia, that's that's the thing that most sounds like you that you've ever done." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Thank you," <laughs> because I'm like this really obnoxious, really like kind of character and uh but it's 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 liberating because it's so freeing to be without the constraints of polite behavior and you know being worried about looking a certain way it was mm-hmm. really a lot of fun and one of the scenes um the guy josh sagara hector damien in it um he and I have conned Rue out of his money, and uh, he is more concerned about his abs and eating plain grilled chicken, and that he's gained two pounds. And I'm sitting there going, munching down on like twenty egg McMuffins, and I thought to myself, I have finally got my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing that I wasn't the person worried about like fitting into the bikini.
1: That's funny. So, um, so let's for people who haven't seen the show, what did. Walk us through the basic premise of the show. I know a little bit about RuPaul, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, is the star of it, and he's playing a drag queen, and he runs it, and you're the one who you steal money from him, so then he has to go on the road, but you'll do a better description than me.
2: Yes, well, I mean, that was perfect. That's exactly (laughs) it. You said it. Okay, done. Moving on. But, um, no, so RuPaul plays a character named Ruby Red um, that uh, decides that he's going to open his own drag club he saved a bunch of money up a hundred thousand dollars like i'm not giving away too much because it's in the first episode um but his new boyfriend makes off with all the money and you find out that i'm in cahoots and so he has to go back on the road uh in a beat up old rv from town to town slugging it out to earn that money again um and uh, in the course of it, a little stowaway, a little ten-year-old stowaway, in the form of uh, AJ, uh, wants to go on this trip with them. And he's like, "No, I can't. I can't take a kid with me to all these drag clubs." And and the unlikely friendship, and ultimately, they find each other as uh, sort of their little family on this uh, on this motorhome. Um, and it's great because you don't. It, I mean you uh, if you look at everyone they're not what they appear on the surface mm-hmm. there is much more to them and and I love the depth of discovering and uncovering each character that it would be easy to write off as just that and then you find out wow they've got a heart and a soul in there You know, kind, and it's Mm -hmm. sad how they got into the situation, or whatever it is. You know, Um, it's great. Yeah, plus uh,
1: it's very interesting because, of course, you see RuPaul in drag and And out of drag, drag, Mm -hmm. which is very poignant. You know, some of the scenes that I saw. So that's must be very interesting too. You know, dealing with him as an actor when he's in drag versus unmasked and
2: himself. He's stunning in drag. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I feel so we- ugly next to you. He's, like, seven feet tall, Amazon with this moon of red hair and, like, this flames, red and blue, sequin and crust. I'm like, oh my gosh. You a,
1: were you a fan? Were you a fan of uh, drag queens before uh, You know, being in a show with drag queens?
2: I've always loved going to drag shows. Yeah, um, I've gone, you know, whenever I'm shooting in a town, we'll go to right. see a drag show in the local bar. I've done that probably half a dozen times on different locations around the world. <laughs> um, so it's uh, definitely I love the pageantry and the Biting sarcasm yeah. and the cattiness—I just think it's hilarious. But I've also loved RuPaul because I know uh, that he has gone on a journey in the course of his career, and he's—he's—he he references Oprah a lot in the show. But I feel like he is very Oprah-esque in the way he is, and mm-hmm. and, and, and has become a very deep thinker because of the decades in the in the in his career that he's. Uh, you know had to go on this long and arduous journey himself. I did his podcast right after we did the the show, and mm-hmm. it was great to see that other side of him too he 's a very deep thinker and um, when you were doing so once you 're cast in the show, another uh
1: thing that I have found working on some of these you know that are not network shows is that they really value your input and the writers on the show was was there any input into your character that you wanted to play you said one of the things was you got to eat more <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, like, Michael Patrick he eating, King, he had he I mean he did, did sex, sex in, in the city. city. Are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, he and the whole uh, you know, crew of writers there, they had everything down dialogue-wise and yeah. the I think the the biggest thing for me was trying to figure out where her voice was. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe being a singer, I'm always thinking about where her Her voice is like, I've done movies where, oh, God, she sounds too strong to be that, uh, you know, the sad, damaged, whiny woman. I should have pitched my voice up or, like I said, Mm -hmm. in True Lies, pitching my voice down. This one was, he wanted Lady Danger, my character Lady Danger, to have this catchphrase of, wow.
0: Um, (laughs) And
2: I think it's because... I. I I, as I understand it, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that Joni Marchenko, who's you know, the writer-producer on it also um that she has a way of saying, wow. <laughs> so he wanted to make that into sort of her, you know, Lady Danger's catchphrase. But I had to find a, I sort of put on this sort of Asian accent, but I'm from Hawaii. So it was sort of like this mix of accent with that mm-hmm. one catchphrase. So I was trying to figure out what I would sound like. And I, I love the way it came out. I love the way it all came together. Did you have an input on the way you looked and your costumes? Uh... Yes, sort of, but it was very out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Way out of my comfort zone. Uh, Tracy Gigi Field, who did the costumes, was always bringing these insane, like, super colorful bomber jacket with, like, these uh, tight, you know, pants, but, like, pink and blue and yellow and orange and green. I'm like, oi. I usually wear chic, you know, black and shoulder pads and whatever, you know, kind of hip, cool, rock and roll or whatever. But she was going for... $28 $28 on Amazon kind of, you know, yeah. Mama-san kind of clothes, you know, online with Jimmy Choo shoes and a Birkin right. purse. But but it was a very specific sort of uh, insane way of dressing that was very hard for me to deal with. But but it works to get, you know, it's, it's a character.
1: Right. Once you see it on screen...
2: Not my druthers, but it
0: was
2: <laughs> awesome because Lady Danger looks insane as she is supposed to be. She wears a dog on eye patch, for God's sake. Does,
0: does that costuming at all help you like, get into character as the series progresses? Did, did it help you or maybe give you any ideas for your performance?
2: Well, I just realized there is no over-the-top because there is no top <laughs> with, with Lady Danger. She's just like... I'm just going to walk around and own this place uh, just because this outfit makes me feel like that. Yeah. She doesn't conform to anything, not for nobody. And is it the same director for every episode, or is
1: it different directors?
2: Different directors, but MPK, um, Michael Patrick King, Mm -hmm. did a bunch of them Mm -hmm. um, and was always on set. uh, But, yeah, I think it was like five different directors, and what kind of tone is Ooh, he that's... looking for
1: overall? does he does or do you automatically know, like you said there's no you know bottom, it's just totally over the top, but yet there's again there's obviously there's this emotional depth in it
2: yeah i w- I mean I was kind of being glib, i mean there is of course a top it's i I wasn't looking to be you know. Absurd or whatever, but um, I've just put in absurd situations. Um, It was still played very realistically, I think. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, well, the drag
1: Um, world, and you know, you've seen so many shows about the, you know, balls and stuff.
2: It's there's a lot of drama going. Yeah, on. it's like a hyper realism. Yeah. Um, so it's not like we're trying to do a documentary of going to you know Kentucky or yeah. Tennessee or whatever, but it was a more glamorized version. So we could shoot it on the back lot at you know right. at Warner Brothers. And so, do you ever go on, on the actual
1: locations, or are they just for now? You know, pretending that we're in a city. Yeah, just city. pretending it was yeah. all
2: in and around Los Angeles
1: there do you obviously you don't know if the show is going to come back or maybe you do i
2: know knock on wood we're waiting i mean it's we've got to know in the next little while i think the first few weeks of binging hear that at home (laughs) turn it on and where would you
1: if the show came back where would you want to see your character go
2: I would want to see my character go to more expensive clothing stores. (laughs) No. That's just so you can take take stuff
1: home. Yeah,
2: exactly. I know, I didn't take any of the clothes home. I was scared of them. Um, But, uh, no, just more of the same because it was a blast working on it.
1: Yes.
0: I I was going to ask real quick, now that you're, you know, you've studied this foray of uh, comedic roles, is there any comedic actor or performer that you'd love to work off of in the future, whether it's on A.J. and the Queen or in a future project? Like a dream? I mean,
2: I, I mean, as we go over my filmography, I mean, I feel like I've lived, you know, ten lives at this point, not yeah. even getting into what I've done in my musical life. Uh, I just pinch myself every day. I'm just grateful for where I am now, but I, I can't think of any number of people I would love to work with. Holy cow. Um,
0: You have worked with a ton of. [SSSS1] I have worked with a
2: ton of people. I mean, funny, a funny guy. I mean, I right now I'm binging, on Netflix. I'm Mm -hmm. binging The Office with my daughter, and Steve Carell is just killing me on the show. Rain Wilson. Oh my
1: gosh, all such funny, so
2: funny. So I mean, maybe because they're top of mind, and I'm watching them on TV right now. It would be amazing to work with them. But there's so many people I'd love to work with. Did
1: you have any movies? We were talking at the top of the show just about the Oscar movies. Did you have any movies
2: this year that were that really that you loved or that popped out at you? Two of the best movies of recent history, and I, I can't I can't think of two other movies that come even close. Parasite, yeah, and yes. The Joker, yeah. I because I was like, um, oh, Marvel movie, what? Holy cow! Um, both of those films really hit me, yeah, and I was. I couldn't even think, uh, you know, a close second to those. Wow! I can't remember a movie that I enjoyed. Not enjoyed as a <laughs> bad word, but right. you know, just was it had, affected by that exactly. really stayed with you after watching it. I just thought that
1: the variety of films this year was.
0: It was a miraculous year. You know, yeah, Marriage Story,
1: Marriage and, Story, The, Netflix, the Irishman, too. even mm-hmm. I, I, some of the ones that are more offbeat, like The Lighthouse. They're they're all. Like just crazy Very array. Little Women, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. It's quite I want to see array.
2: that. I want to see that. It's
1: quite an array of uh, of of directors. I don't know. Do you find it some more? I feel like for actresses that there there was a time where it felt like, well, I guess it's this is it. You know, it's over. And then now, I feel like now is the greatest time ever, where I feel more hopeful than I felt in the past ten years for. For acting and auditioning and opportunities, you know.
2: I feel like back when I first started out, women had to look a certain way. They had to be a certain age. And that was it. And it's done. But now, maybe because we have more women Mm -hmm. directors and writers and producers, we want to be seen. At, you know, at a different place mm-hmm. in our lives where we can identify with. We're, they're not all stuck at 28, you know. Right. We want to see our stories told now. Um, more shape inclusivity. So everybody doesn't have to be a size four, mm-hmm. you know. I, I remember when I would go to borrow gowns for things. I'm like, are you kidding me? Nothing in this entire showroom fits me right now. I'm offended. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's a different time when you have, you know, People like Chrissy Metz and, I don't know, Octavia Spencer and, you know, amazing women that are killing it on, you know, on the big screen, on the TV screen, um, and they don't fit into that little, okay, you're a pretty Mm -hmm. little... You know, toy, woman, girl. Yes. You're not even a woman. You're a girl. And yeah. that's where we're, we were relegated to back in the day. I was
1: thinking as we were talking, have you ever been on The View? You should be on The View.
2: you be <laughs> Let perfect. me tell you this about that, and I'm going to tell you another Uh-oh. thing. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. There's a lot of people talking, though. It's hard to... I would feel, oh, no, I don't want to step on what they're saying, you know. It's hard. I did
1: The View. You got to... You, do. You, here's my... here. My hint is, <laughs> as with everything, I come out and... Say what you have to say. Boom! Like literally, I drop said, it like a hammer. Just because I said because then the rest of the time you're going to have a hard time getting the chance to talk. But I agree with you. You want to be you're like I'm doing a nice interview, and then it's yeah. over. So <laughs> yeah. To, well, I
2: mean, there's a lot of people talking, and they've been yes. on there, and they have their shorthand with each other, and you feel like you know, like you're improvising on curb your enthusiasm. And there's six people in the scene. Where do I jump in? I don't. Yes. You know I don't want to step on anybody else's line.
1: Well, it could be because you have the you know. When you Have a movie background, you always think the director's gonna say cut and then you'll have another opportunity, <laughs> yeah. No,
2: not yeah, for yeah.
1: live television,
2: go in and grab, you know, grab the spotlight.
1: Did you, um, did you go through that whole rounds of you know, back in the day of the Lenos and the Lettermans and those kind I of shows? I did Letterman,
2: I did uh, Conan, I did Arsenio, wow,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: did. Keenan Ivory Wayans show.
1: Yeah.
2: Jeez, uh, yeah. I
1: could I I, I, I could add a few. I did the Howie Mandel.
2: Oh, that's right. Howie Mandel had Donnie one. Diane
1: Marie had a show. Rosie. Rosie. Rosie had a show.
2: Yeah. Did you? i never enjo- invited to that.
1: Did you enjoy those uh, experiences? or Were they nerve wracking?
2: Uh I don't. I, maybe I was just so young and stupid and not aware. Yeah. I just walked along and just I was just holding on for dear life. I was happy to be invited and I was trying not to trip on my own feet and yes. you know, I was so young. I was what 23, 24. Uh-huh. I wish I could go through it now with that sort of
1: Yes. now you, you know, have all the If
2: I knew then what I know now, one of those old things, you know. I know. just putting
1: on, together your your resume from all the do you stay in touch with any of the people that you worked with on some of your films?
2: Um, well, John Lovitz is a good friend of mine. We worked together on uh, <laughs> High School High many years ago. Um, I And I... I Spoken to Dana Carvey a few uh-huh. times, um, but it's hard to get together, you know. And yeah. I, I saw um, Mike Myers over at the um, Oscar parties last yes. time around. Um, Hawk Koch, who's the producer on yes. on uh, Wayne's World, I've seen him a bit. We used to be neighbors up in Topanga, um, on top of a mountain far, far away from everybody else. Says, so you know, here it's- and there, but, uh, you know
1: it's nice to be I was saying at the top of the show it's just the nice time of the season just to see people and talk yeah. about their films and reminisce and yeah share experiences and you know be part of the community and the family cinema family
2: yeah and then and then you lose people after like I saw Peter Fonda at the uh, Oscar right. parties last year and and then I heard he had passed away I'm like wait i just saw him yeah you know but i'm so i'm glad that i got to see him and you know send him love and oh and so nice to see you i worked with him on a couple of films oh
1: what a nice guy yes
2: such a nice guy such a nice guy like luke perry that was a shock came out of nowhere we're supposed to get together and go to a party and next thing i know you know so like just being grateful for the time that we have together and This whole Kobe thing, holy cow, that just happened right near my house. I mean, you just you know hug your loved ones, tell the people you love you love them, and just soak it all in because nothing is promised.
0: It's been a crazy week for that, I feel. I I think more so than (sighs) in the past I've never seen just people react in just such an effective way. Like, everyone really is now kind of realizing, wow, I mean, like, you just got to be present. Uh, yeah, you, you really know. do.
2: And, I mean, that is 13-year-old daughter. I mean, having a 14-year-old daughter myself, I just can't even imagine the pain that her mom is going through right now. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It was really depressing. And, you know, it was the Grammys and all that. And
0: right.
2: I, I I almost didn't want to go anywhere. But I thought, you know, it's it was for a benefit, this thing that I went to that night. Right. And, you know, just show up and... Do your thing, but you know, if you see people, give them a hug and, you right. know, I know, give them a kiss and I love you and I, you know, let's get together and really mean it and yeah. get together.
0: And it's a shame of tragedy. It takes a tragedy for us to really think that way, where it, it, it's a reminder in a way. Uh, and I wish it didn't take that.
2: Yeah, well, but, it's yeah. human nature to start running again and galloping towards our goals that's and right. stuff, but I don't know. I think maybe where I am in my life right now, I am much more. Aware and present, like you're asking me questions about doing Letterman back in the day. It was just such a blur. Right. But now I am every single moment present. really there, yeah, and, and soaking everything up.
1: Before you go, I did want to talk a little bit about your singing, and, <laughs> and uh, that's a
2: whole nother show.
1: What? So tell me about some of your singing, and are you
2: working on anything currently? Well, I, like I said, I was growing up and I was singing, and mm-hmm. I sang at the, you know, the uh, Waikiki Shell, Mm -hmm. and entered every contest there was back in Hawaii with my childhood friend, Daniel Ho. Mm -hmm. Cut to, we both moved to Los Angeles, and we were talking about working together on music, and he's beginning to work in Hawaiian music. And so he said, hey, let's get together and do a record of all your favorite Hawaiian music. And we did that, and we got nominated for a Grammy. And then did another one. Uh, of all original music uh, that Daniel wrote, and that won the Grammy. Did another one, got nominated, and then did the final one, our fourth album, and won the second Grammy. So, uh, I mean, with my childhood friend that I've known since I was 14, so it couldn't be any sweeter than to go on that journey with somebody that, you know, Uh went to the all-boys Catholic school down the street while I went to the all-girls Catholic school up the street, and, you know, just, Farting around on the piano and just singing some, I don't know, New York New York medleys or whatever the hell we were doing. I think, uh, what
1: is the tradition of Hawaiian singing? I know I did a film in Hawaii, and it was wonderful to hear people play the, oh, yeah,
2: the ukulele, ukulele. Oh. and the, and the slack the key singing? guitar. Well, what's funny is the slack key guitar is is a style because the portuguese had left the stringed instruments behind in hawaii and didn't teach them how to tune them Mm -hmm. so you could create your own tuning i see and okay this is how i'm going to tune my guitar and then you play it and it sounds differently than if you tuned it you know in the traditional you know
1: yeah very high
2: it's well it could could be high or low or whatever anything but like Daniel's got his own tuning for certain songs that he plays. Right. And it's uh it's pretty cool. Oh, I love Hawaiian ukulele. music. Yeah, yeah, Every once in
1: a while, I have a couple CDs and I'll put on my...
2: I should have brought my CDs. Yeah, Shoot. well... Oh, I'll have to get an address where I can send it to you.
1: Well, well, since we're on the air, what are a couple of the, the your CDs if people want to get them?
2: If you want the hard copy of the CD, yeah. you go to com. T-I-A-C-A-R-R-E-R-E dot com. But it's also on iTunes. So you can listen to the songs and just buy them one at a time.
1: Well, I love. It. I'm a big love proponent that. of Hawaiian music. I love. Maybe it go good- It's
2: the open vowels. I think that re- it's the feeling. The you know the very resonance. Yeah, the open vowels and the vibration of that. it's yeah. very beautiful.
1: Plus, as they said when we worked there, the uh, the hair and makeup lady every night she'd make. Drinks and my ties. <laughs> it was so much fun. I was like, I want to do every movie in Hawaii. What
2: movie is this? Why wasn't I on it? That's my question.
1: It was actually a lot of fun. It was uh, a wedding planner movie. We played a family of wedding planners.
2: I'm gonna have to look it up on your filmography. I
1: think it was called The Knot. But anyway, it was Knot. we filled it and filmed it entirely and. In <sighs> Uh, Turtle Bay and different parts Oh par- man, that's I awesome that's I never dream. wanted to go home, it was incredible
2: Yeah, I got to do one movie there You May Not oh, really? Kiss the Bride With Rob Schneider and uh, Catherine McVie That uh-huh. was fun, getting to shoot in Hawaii But yeah. I don't get to shoot in Hawaii enough uh, I gotta go and create my own movies so I gotta go back, back to that
1: grocery store
2: <laughs> I don't even know if it's still there oh. <laughs> I, even, I wonder oh. I'm gonna have to Google that
1: we'll check it Uh, out (laughs) All right. well Tia thank you so much for being on the show the show is called uh, AJ and "And the the Queen Queen. and it's on Netflix on Netflix binge it feel free binge it and uh, you'll love it I've seen it and uh, it's fantastic I hope it comes back me too I'd love to be in a show I love drag
0: queens and we gotta be sure to check out Ileana on Shrill oh that's right
1: my show, which is on Shri- yeah Shrill, which is on Hulu. Ooh, cool! Cur- currently on. Uh, I know. God bless all with of these Bryan. networks. Yeah, with AD Brian, who's fantastic and so funny. Awesome! I'll check it out. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. As we end the show, as we always do, we like to say everyone's life is a movie. Today was a big blockbuster <laughs> movie, with a beginning, and a middle, and an end. Uh, and thank you again for being on the show. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning into the film scene with Ileana Douglas, airing exclusively on the Popcorn Talk Network. We bring you this show for free because we're just as passionate and borderline obsessed with film as you are. And it would mean a lot if you would please subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It takes five minutes to review the show, but it helps other film junkies find the show and continue to spread a love of classic and contemporary film. For guest inquiries or live bookings, you can email me, Jeff Graham, at guests at AfterBuzzTV.com. That's Jeff G-U-E-S-T-S at A-F-T-E-R-B-U-Z-Z dot com. For more incredible film content, check us out online at The Popcorn Talk, and we'll see you after the credits.